Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This is what we find out about feathers on dinosaurs and pterosaurs. If I ask you to imagine a dinosaur with feathers, what would probably come to mind first is of course an Archaeopteryx. But since we've had Archaeopteryx fossils with feathers, there's been debate about whether or not they were all connected. Plus, there's a lot of debate whether or not pterosaurs as well had feathers. We look at these two topics and more in some latest papers about feathers on dinosaurs. Now, when you think about flying and gliding dinosaurs, maybe a pteranodon or a pterosaur comes to mind, or pterodactyl. But, of course, with feathers in the mix, you definitely think about an Archaeopteryx. Now, the first Archaeopteryx fossil was discovered in southern Germany in the Solhofen area all the way back in 1861. And actually, one of the first fossils of Archaeopteryx was actually a feather, an isolated feather fossil that was discovered way back in this region. Now, since then, we've actually been discovering more complete skeletons. And when you picture an Archaeopteryx, you're probably picturing the complete skeleton fossil which actually has a lot of the feathers there along with the main body of the bird-like dinosaur. Now, this has been an active area of debate about actually the connection between this initial isolated feather discovery and, well, how it connects to the complete fossils of an Archaeopteryx that we have today. And this is an area that has been actively debated back and forth. Now, way back in 2019, in the journal Scientific Reports, K. Pittman, Mayer, Schwartz and Zhu actually published that they challenged whether or not that feather, that isolated feather, belonged to an Archaeopteryx or some hereto undiscovered species of bird-like dinosaur. And their main argument is that there wasn't really enough shape or characteristics of that feather to match with what we understood about Archaeopteryxes and also about modern birds. They ruled it out as either a primary or a secondary type of feather. And that's quite an extraordinary claim, but it does make sense if you think about it in the fact that by comparison to modern birds, they lack this distinct S-shaped scent line in their coverts, their feather signs, and therefore it should belong to another species. Great, but what other species is it? We don't know. And that's where these researchers from the University of Hong Kong left it back in 2019. But not satisfied with that answer, researchers from the University of Florida and others collaborating together dug further into that, and researchers Carney, Schlinger, and Schalke actually investigated this isolated fossil feather and subjected it to a whole barrage of different tests and compared, well, it to other feathers in the region and that particular fossil site to see if they could identify where this feather comes from and if it does really actually not belong to the Archaeopteryx. So this is how science works. One group investigates an area, publishes their results and their findings, and then later on another study tries to either replicate or challenge that hypothesis. This is the scientific method in action. It's exactly what Carney and et al. did and publishing in the journal Scientific Reports again in 2020. One of the important things to remember is where these fossils were discovered. Now, of course, you don't have to consider only this factor when you decide about where this feathers come from. But prior studies by Willenhofer in 2009 looked at the actual location of all of these fossils discoveries. And they're basically all from a region of southern Germany between the towns Slenhofen and Langendheim and their two quarries around those. 
Now, in those quarries, dating back all the way to 1861, there's fossilized isolated feathers, as well as complete skeletons. So-called London specimen of 1861 is a complete skeleton of an Archaeopteryx, and there's a Maxburg specimen, 1956, the Munich specimen in 1992, another set of feathers from 2004. So overall, in this region, lots of different complete and isolated skeletons of Archaeopteryxes have been discovered. Now, it's not the only place Archaeopteryx feathers have, or skeletons have been discovered, but if you consider that this isolated feather was found in the same strata geological age as well as the same literal region of fossils as Archaeopteryxes, to prove that it doesn't belong to an Archaeopteryx seems to fly in the face, quite literally, of all the other fossils around them. So you've got to have some pretty good evidence to back up that claim. So just from a logical standpoint, you could obviously see that you would group these together. But not satisfied with just pure rational reasoning and logic, the paper goes a bit further to dive into it. And they're looking at a type of wing feather called a primary covert. A primary covert is part of the wing structure of the feathers in the wing that overlays the primary feathers and helps propel the birds through the air. Now, this type of this particular type of feather can be analyzed. That's what the team from University of South Florida did. They worked together with an international group to analyze nine key attributes of the feather, particularly the long quill, and looked at that shape of that quill and the shape and characteristics of these primary covert feathers and compared it to the data from modern birds. They also compared it to 13 known skeletal fossils of Archaeopteryx, three of which actually contain really well-preserved primary coverts, this particular type of feather. Now, the researchers discovered that the top surface of the Archaeopteryx ring has all these primary coverts on them, and they're pretty much identical to the isolated feather in size and shape. But it is important to note that this feather is actually very different from the shape had in modern bird feathers, in particular modern bird primary coverts. So whilst it doesn't match, as the prior study suggested, the shape of modern birds primary coverts, it does match the shape of the Archaeopteryx fossils primary coverts. And that, that's quite important because what we're really claiming here is that the Archaeopteryx feather actually lines up with the other Archaeopteryx complete fossils. So it's more important to match the fossils than it is to match modern birds. Now, the fact that that shape has changed over the millions of years and evolved into what we find with modern birds, fine. But that evolution hasn't happened in comparison with these fossils. Now, while they were there, they also put these fossils through electron microscopes and they actually could identify that that particular feather, that isolated feather, came from the wet left wing. And they could detect the melanosomes, which are microscopic pigment structures. Now, that is really important because that helps identify and classify the colour reconstruction. So from these microscopic pigment structures, you can actually figure out what colour that feather was, in which case the microscopic pigment structures actually identify that this is a matte black feather, more like what you would see on a crow. Now, this is an interesting piece of research because you often see this in science. It's not so much that scientists are contradicting each other or or science is wrong or misguided, but that's the way scientific progress works. Always working to get ever closer to a deeper understanding. Now, that's what's happened in this case. The prior research in 2019 has pointed out that, well, you know, this doesn't line up with the modern bird fossils. 
And this paper points out, well, it may not line up with modern bird fossils, but it does line up with the other Archaeopteryx fossils. And that's important because what we're trying to do is get a clearer picture and understanding of things that happened millions of years ago and how they relate to things in the modern world today. And that's the nature of science. The nature of science is this incremental progress, collaboration, questioning, challenging, and positing new theories and hypotheses to be tested and validated with further research. There's some great research published in the journal Scientific Reports around the nature of isolated feathers and how they connect to all those beautiful complete fossils of Archaeopteryx as we've got. Lead authors is, was Ryan Carney, leading this study along with an international team of researchers involved through the University of South Florida. Leaving the debate around Archaeopteryx feathers aside for a bit, the concept of dinosaurs with feathers is a hotly contested area in paleontological research as well. Not so much if dinosaurs had feathers, but when they had feathers and when they developed them. But also, what other cousins of dinosaurs, other large reptiles like pterosaurs and pteranodons, if they had feathers too? And this is what has been contested and challenged. Now, Dr. Zhizhao Yang from Nanjing University, published in 2018, the journal Nature Ecology and Evolution, that, well, it's quite possible that some pterosaur fossils actually show evidence of feather-like branching filaments, what they called protofeathers on animal skin. Now, this would mean potentially that these pterosaurs are actually developing early forms of feathers. Maybe we haven't seen a full feathered fossil of a pterosaur yet, but maybe they were developing them. And that's what at least Dr. Yang actually hypothesized based on the fossil evidence that they're investigating. Now that claim didn't quite seem right to other pterosaur experts from across the world. And that's what Dr. David Unwin from University of Leicester and Professor Dave Martell have been investigating from the University of Portsmouth. And they've recently published their paper in the journal Nature, Ecology and Evolution in 2020. And they're investigating if Dr. Yang's claim had any basis, whether or not these were basically some form of proto-feathers, or were the pterosaurs actually still, as they believe, in fact, bald, or skin with a leathery thing, that what you actually envisage when you think of a pterosaur, or a traditional dinosaur that doesn't have feathers. Now, to do this, obviously, Unwin and Martel had to figure out a way to explain these branching filaments, this bumps on the skin of the pterosaur fossils. Now, why does this matter? Why does it matter if pterosaurs had protofeathers or not? Well, it would change a lot because it would change our understanding of when feathered dinosaurs actually evolved. Again, pterosaurs, not quite dinosaurs in the traditional sense, but ignoring that for a second. If there were feathers on pterosaurs, that would mean that the earliest feathers actually appeared on a, an ancestor shared by both pterosaurs and dinosaurs. So it's unlike then it was developed particularly in the feathered dinosaurs alone. It means it had to come from some common ancestor. And that could mean that the first feather-like elements would have been 80 million years earlier than currently thought. That's a big jump. So to shift the starting point for the development of feathers some 80 million years earlier requires, of course, significant evidence to base that on. And it would also suggest that actually dinosaurs probably started out with the ability to develop feathers, at least in some groups. But then 
subsequently lost them because there was obviously some advantage lost by and they didn't decide that they needed them so okay this might seem like a debate between a couple of academics backwards and forwards about the exact nature of a few bumps on some dinosaur fossils or pterosaur fossils but it actually has huge implications because it would change our idea of the evolution of feathers in dinosaurs and whether or not all dinosaurs had feathers and then lost them or maybe dinosaurs had fuzz or proto feathers and then lost them but others gained them it would change quite a bit of our understanding of the actual development of the exterior coating for want of a better word of dinosaurs and pterosaurs and so on now the evidence put forward by dr yang rests on a tiny hair-like filament basically incredibly small less than one tenth of a millimeter in diameter and they've been found on about 30 different pterosaur fossils. Dr. Young's and his colleagues' points were that, well, look, we've seen this on a lot of different fossil records. It's not one abnormality. It's not one thing that we've sort of latched onto as a single case. We can see it on quite a bit of pterosaurs. So what are they? Out of these 30, though, only three of these were actually having some kind of branching structure. Now, this branching structure is important, though, because that's typically what you would expect if it was some form of proto feather to turn this little bump into a feather well you would expect then this nodule to sort of start to branch out to become a bit more like we imagine a feather but that wasn't only found in around 10 percent of the fossils so not in all of them right so Unwin and Mardel investigate this and propose that perhaps these branching structures aren't actually feathers at all but part of tough fiber which brought parts of the internal structure of the membrane of the wing and the branching effect actually might be part of parcel of those fibers in the wing decaying and unraveling as that membrane dissolves this would explain why some fossils of the same species have them and some don't because through the process of decay that wing membrane sort of disappears so you don't see it in the fossil record but you see these little fragments and nodes because well that's what's left behind now is this enough to say conclusively that Dr. Young's team of collaborators was incorrect? No, but as Unwin says, exceptional claims require exceptional evidence. Now we have the former, but not the later. Uh, people have been talking about feathered pterosaurs way back to the 19th century, but there still isn't significant fossil evidence to suggest that pterosaurs by and large had feathers. We've got some little hints here and there that they may have had something, but whether or not they're feathers remains to be seen. And since it would change so much about our understanding of the development of feathers on dinosaurs and pterosaurs, we need some pretty good evidence to back that up. And it's not quite there yet. There could be other explanations for what these strange lumps and bumps are on the wings of pterosaurs. The claim here from Unwin and Martel is that, well, this could be quite logically explained by just the long fibers in the membrane of the wing unraveling. And these little nodules and bumps are there to help hold the wing in place, but you don't see them because the stuff that's, you know, was they were holding in place have decayed over time. But as we just discussed with the case of Archaeopteryx, even if they did have feathers, we have to be very careful about what our assumptions of what they may have looked like might even be. Because as we saw with the connection between Archaeopteryx feathers and the modern birds, they actually are very different. So even trying to look for structures that we see in modern birds' wings or modern bird feathers aren't necessarily the best indicator of where they were present in the past. Now the issue is, of course, there's still so many questions about pterosaurs because if they did have feathers, great, fantastic, but how do they work and why don't we have any evidence of them? And maybe there's some fossils out there which do have feathers on them. Were they colorful or not? And there's obviously, there's no examples or evidence of actual those, as we talked about earlier, that 
in pigments and micropigments that could help you identify if there were colored feathers. Again, don't have any evidence of those on pterosaur fossils. But then if they didn't have feathers, how did pterosaurs keep warm at night? And did it change where you would find pterosaurs because they could have to stay away from colder climates and stay where it's warm? And overall, how do they, again, do they thermoregulate without feathers? Now, this is all part of what makes pterosaur research pretty interesting. That's why Professor Martel finds it so fascinating, because the clues are so cryptic, he says, that we're still a long way from working out just how these amazing animals worked. And that's a pretty important fact. We like pterosaurs. They're amazing to think about these giant things swooping out of the sky and chopping down on fish or smaller dinosaurs. But we really don't understand how they managed to do that. And that's why it's a fascinating area of research. This paper was published in Nature, Ecology and Evolution. And we still have a bit of way to go to rule in or out either way whether or not pterosaurs had feathers. But if they did, it would upend a lot of what we know about dinosaur feathers. And so far, the research and the evidence isn't there to justify that claim. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From trying to understand the mysteries of Archaeopteryx fossil feathers to feathers on dinosaurs like pterosaurs and how they connect to understanding the development of feathers over time. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.